<laughs> Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace coming to you from Podcast Act Round Zero, home of the apocalypse. Uh, tonight is episode 33, Sticks and Stones. Joining us tonight is uh, the, you know, the usual fanfare of uh, Adam Bomb Glancy, our stalwart uh, co-host and special guest host uh, this week is Michael Vorhola from Skirmisher Publishing. We've all seen Mike before, and Mike's usually got something good to say, so we decided to bring him back on and give him one more chance. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We are, we are glad to have you. So, tonight, sticks and stones. So we are going to be talking about weapons and armor in the apocalypse. Uh, we're going to be talking about Real, well, real life stuff, you know, plausible scenarios of weapons before, during, or, well, more during, after, long after the apocalypse. You know, a lot of it will vary, depend on what ended the world. Uh, we're also going to talk about maybe some of our favorite real life uh, potential apocalypse weapons and, uh, of course, anything that is our favorite apocalypse weapon from fiction. Books, games, role-playing games, video games, something that you think is a really kick-ass, freaking post-apocalyptic weapon, we're, we're going to mention it on the show. So, no, matter, no matter how stupid it actually is. Oh, there, yeah, there's no stupid weapons, only stupid people, Scott. But, <laughs> only weapons that are used in stupid ways. Exactly. So, all right, uh, so in the news, a uh, couple, uh, couple of little things here and there. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to mention is I'm still watching Z Nation, so it has kept my interest long enough that I'm still watching after five episodes. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, the the last ship, I couldn't make it after the second. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Um, and again, folks, remind you, it's Z Nation is by Sci-Fi Channel. It's your typical standard fare sci-fi channel cheesy campy shit. And this last episode really showed that because if you didn't know, it was brought to you by the same people who brought you Sharknado and Sharknado 2. So would you think that they would have done something with our with a tornado with the zombies? If you thought that if you thought they did, you're right, because they did. Yeah, that's that's the, the, please. Testify, Brother Wallace, testify. Oh, they brought a zombnado, whatever you want to call it. So, because they were in the Midwest, big-ass tornadoes ripping through the countryside, and would you believe it? You saw all kinds of bodies flying around in the tornado, and being zombies were being thrown. <laughs> they went there with the zombie tornado. No spoiler alerts necessary for this. No, because it's 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 in the previews on the on the channel. So there's there's the best parts of it are right up front anyway. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, so so they went there, um, and I got to give them credit for doing that. But you know, the show, I said I got to give it credit because it's done a couple little things here and there that are not bad, and they came out with they they they've done a couple of things in the zombie setting. They got it out there before other people have done it. You know, so before like you know like. A bigger, better show like The Walking Dead had a chance to play that gag. 
they've done they've that. Done some, they've done some, had some interesting shticks on that show. I will give them that. They've done some things that I haven't seen other places. The flying zombie baby, you know what? They could they could have just left that alone because you know zombie babies don't get like uh, the power to fly, whereas normal babies don't have that power. Oh, uh, no, that, that's where you're mistaken, uh, Mike. <laughs> oh, I, I believe uh, normal babies can fly. Okay. Why you have to keep those nets, you know, with the fish hooks in them up over your windows. <laughs> right. Just saying. <laughs> All right. But they have done, They, you're right, Jerry, they, they have done some things on the show that... Uh, Show that they're 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 going beyond say a normal sci-fi original Saturday night movie uh, in terms of their uh, their creativity. Exactly. So they're they're not doing a bad job, you know. And uh, and then like I said, The Walking Dead, uh, the season premiere. Um, like I said, that show's been kind of that show's kind of hit or miss. Like it gets kind of very dull at times. But this episode, they came out of the gate pretty strong for the uh, premiere episode. So they did a good job with that. Um, you know, they played. The gag they played is what exactly what I predicted it would be. Uh, again, I won't talk about it because it just came on. I'll give people at least a week to watch it, you know. So um, yeah, so they can suffer. They can suffer. So I, they pulled the gag exactly what I thought it was going to be. So, uh, but it's pretty obvious what it was. So, but again, it, it was pretty good. So that's pretty good. And a couple things uh, I had I mentioned before I backed the Metamorphosis Alpha. Uh, Kickstarter by Goodman Games, and they started sending uh, the books are on the way from China, and they started sending out some of the swag that was coming for it. Like they had a bunch of uh, Metamorphosis Alpha dice, you know, they got like little, you know, radiation symbols on it and stuff like that. They have these bra bracelets. There's different color bracelets that they came out with because in the game. Bracelets are the ID cards on the ship, and there's different colors for different levels. And they made a bunch of them, and different ones. They're randomly, they're randomly giving them to people. And then some of the people, like James Ward, who created the game, said that yeah, anybody plays the Metamorphosis Alpha campaign, uh, a game with me DMing it, if you have a bracelet, you could wear it, and it'll work for your character. <laughs> of course, that's the way to do it. Which is which is pretty cool, you know. And they had like a little, uh, they made like a little Metamorphosis Alpha. You know, little lapel pins. So I mean, they got some neat little, they got some neat swag coming. And the only other thing I got is, uh, I got a couple of uh, post-apocalyptic books in from uh, Amazon. Uh, one of them I've already read. I read it as an ebook, but I wanted to get the, I wanted to get the paperback version of it. Was the Andrea Nort book, uh, book No No Night Without Stars. That was in my top five when we did the top five show. So I wanted to get like a hard copy of it. Love this book. And then I got a, another book called. Phoenix Without Ashes. It's a book by Harlan Ellison. What this book is, um, we've mentioned the TV show in the past called The Star Lost, which is basically Metamorphosis Alpha, uh, the, the show. It's, you know, this generation ship, everything crapped out. Now, there was a lot of problems with the show. Harlan Ellison, you know, started using his alternative name uh, for the credits because he didn't want to be associated with it because they kind of just... The production values were supposed to be high, and the writing was better, but it all just went to shit, so he didn't want to be associated with it. But he wrote the original uh, screenplay for the beginning episode, so what he did was he took that and converted it. He wrote, he tried to change it into a, a novel for the beginning of the, uh, of the series, so his first episodes he turned into a book, 
and published it. He won like a bunch of uh, he won an award for it. Uh, I think he won. Uh, I can't remember what he won for it, but he won a book for it. So I wanted to get this uh, to read what his vision of it was supposed to be, as opposed to what they had on the t on the television. So. So I got so I got that, and I'll I'll get this. Not a very big book. I'll get that read, and I'll uh, talk about it. And oh, also we got um, another email from another publisher uh, who has a post-apocalyptic book, and asked, "Hey, would you like me to send you some review copies of of, of the novel? And I could even get the uh, author to come on the show uh, for an interview." So I'm gonna reply back to him and say, "Sure, send it on, and we'll read the book, and uh, we'll uh, review it." So apparently there are people listening to this show and like the show if we've had two people want to send up publishers want to send us books uh, for review so we must be doing something right clearly uh, clearly yeah we're gonna have to get through uh, Sylvia's collection first fractured which Absolutely. Is, yes yes now that, I, now that I've put away my Charles Strauss novel uh, we can get on I can move on to uh, to fractured with the what was the what was the first short story in it something like uh, no man is an isthmus. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. No, it, man it, is, uh, no man is a promatro. Uh, again, I can't. I can't read my own language. Was it promatory? <laughs> promatory. Thank you. No man is a promatory. So that'll be our first story. See, this is why I'm not a writer. Okay. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> is a peninsula. Who knows what you would have come up with, Jared? What? All right, so any uh, any, anything for anything uh, anything you came across, uh, Scott? Because I had a bunch of shit. I, I got a, I got a ton of crap. So why don't we move on to Will? You got any? Uh, sorry, um, uh, Will. No, no, Will Thrasher. We like Will Thrasher better. So uh, I meant to say Michael. Sorry, Michael. We're talking about recently published um, uh, post-apocalyptic materials. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. You know, what's on the horizon? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, what I end up reading uh, a couple issues of a week is um, Wisdom from the Wastelands, which is a, um, a source book that Skirmisher Publishing publishes. It's a mini source book, five pages of crunch for the... Um, Mutant Future Game, which is a retro clone of first edition Gamma World, so it's compatible with Gamma World or, or Mutant Future or any kind of basic system game. Uh, and I publish two uh, uh, issues of that every month, one every two weeks. So that's what I end up reading. Uh, I read post-apocalyptic weapons and monsters and uh, radiation effects and that sort of thing written up by Chris Van Dielen and Derek Holland, my, my two authors for that. So it's really post-apocalyptic gaming stuff that I end up reading the most of on a regular basis. And that's all available on DriveThruRPG. Uh, and they're only 99 cents an issue. So anyone who wants to check out any of those, just look for Wisdom from the Wastelands. Uh, we just came out with uh, issue 44. So uh, we got plenty of them up there. 99, 99 cents an issue? That's outrageous. That's a school. Skirmisher Publishing is insane. <laughs> I'm just saying. Alright. I spent... But we cover weapons a lot. We cover weapons and armor in the post-apocalypse. That's something that Chris Van Dielen in particular uh, really enjoys. So we're clearly, we brought you at the right time. You brought me just at the right time. Anytime's the right time. I can always so, talk about weapons. So there I was at the Zompire Film Festival, 
in Portland, Oregon this weekend, and uh, there was some apocalypses. I mean, there was a lot of non-apocalypse uh, vampire and zombie films at the festival, but zombies have gotten well, you know, married into the, apo into the apocalyptic uh, material. So there are a number of short films uh, and a couple of, uh, there's a lot of short films at the festival this year. And there were uh, two uh, features. Uh, of the short films, uh, there was a short film called Buddy System, which was pretty much a, you know, how-to guide, how to use your Alamo gun, Jared. Mm. Yes, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, there was a 13-minute film called Human Wreckage, uh, where our two survivors are very concerned, very concerned about whether or not uh, the person they've rescued has been bitten or shows any sign of infection. Because, you know, if something's infected, well, you know, you wouldn't want to get an infection from it when you <laughs> eat it. Uh, there was a really funny one out of uh, uh, a zombie apocalypse called Say What out of Canada. Um, and you could tell it was Canadian because it was incredibly polite. It was like the most polite uh, zombie, nice Jared, the most polite zombie apocalypse imaginable. Um, let's see, uh, there was like a uh, Argentinian one, no, um, Spanish one called The Chosen. Uh, which was uh, uh, some special forces guys at the end of their rope trying to find, uh, you know, trying to find the, the, the scientist that's going to help fix the problem. That doesn't work out so hot. Um, Waterborne was a Australian one that featured, yeah, zombie kangaroos. Um, there was one out of England called Zero that was uh, kind of interesting insofar it was all about being a total dick. <laughs> you know, it was all about shit like gutting your buddy and leaving him behind to slow down the zombies or cutting a fella's hamstrings so you can be sure to run faster than him. And uh, by the end of it, the, 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 the sort of commentary was even the zombies, which are more like the infected than zombies, uh, they turn on their own wounded and tear them to pieces until eventually, you know, the basic premise is, you can't tell the humans from the zombies. You know, we survived together by uh, emulating each other's behaviors until you couldn't tell who was who. And of course, um, they've gone that direction. Uh, that's that's sort of a zeitgeist thing. They've gone that yeah. direction on The Walking Dead. Uh, you know, over the past season, uh, yeah. that's that's the direction they've headed. Uh, that you know, uh, human and zombie uh, are really converging in a sense in terms of their behavior. Having previously diverged, you know, so this idea that, oh, you can't tell them from us. And my thought is, no, you really can't. In fact, one of the best bits in Zero was where having fucked over all his buddies to get away, he sees a campfire in the distance, you know, and, oh, thank God, people, you know, oh, I've been looking for another group. I was separated, and it's, yeah, it's a campfire, but it's a campfire full of people who've been overrun. You know, and he gets there just in time to be surrounded by zombies. It's like, wah, wah, sad trombone. Um, <laughs> the two, there were two, there was one film that was sort of off the beaten path called The Stomach, which, which is a really uh, creepy take on spiritualism and ectoplasm, and that one was really worth a look. 
Um, now, is there is there any way people can see these? I mean, if they aren't going to this festival that you went to, I mean, this is all very enticing, but it 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 falls I suggest into the you go find yourself some Vimeo. You find some Vimeo, some YouTube. Some of the stuff is out there. Um, the uh, the one that I really wanted to throw out that's a one of them, the, the feature film I'm going to mention hasn't come out yet, but it's going to. It's really good. But the short films, there was one from Spain called The Only Man, about a guy who has been bitten by the zombies and isn't quite gone yet and is desperately trying. You know, the, the dead won't attack him anymore, but he can still talk and he can still reason and he's still, he's got all the, tre he's got these nerve tremors like he's got. Kreutzfeld Jakoba or Kuru or something, you know, and he's trying to keep the zombies at bay because I'm not like you. Uh, that one was very good. Uh, but Chrysalis, made in the States, 99 minutes, directed by a guy named John Klein. Chrysalis was awesome. It was 25 years after Z-Day. All the characters are second-generation survivors. So they don't know the world at all before it went to shit. Um, it is not... It, it is not, um, how do I put this, uh, SCA porn, but everybody's got melee weapons because we're just out of bullets, you know. We're just out of ammo, so it's sledgehammers and, uh, and ball peen and, you know, uh, things like that. The zombies are more like the infected than zombies. And one of the points is they're running out of zombies. The world has gotten empty because the infected need to survive too, and they're not making it either. It was shot in places like Gary, Indiana, and in Cairo, Illinois, two of the most post-apocalyptic landscapes. Urban, urban wastelands. And uh, they shot it in miserable cold environment. I mean, the breath, their breath looks like that scene where, uh, you know, um, uh, McReady. And the other two guys are standing around in the basement of the of the of the uh, outpost of the thing, talking about we're not going to get out of here after you know that whole it's gone, McCready. Well, we're not going to get out of here, but we got to make sure that thing doesn't either. And that breath is just rolling out of them in clouds. That's what this movie looked like every step of the way. And since it was low budget, this was not. It's not CGI. They just filmed this movie under miserable circumstances in an environment that looked like it was made out of tetanus and lockjaw from top to bottom. You get zombies going by with uh, with shopping carts in the background, that sort of thing? No, I did not see, yeah, I, okay, there was not the guy and his kid going by in the background with the <laughs> shopping cart and the one wheel that won't go straight. But it was, <laughs> they made their actors look miserable um, uh, all the way through. And, um, yeah, it was a good uh, it had the survival horror thing we're looking for, you know, and um, it had uh, some siege, and it had some room-by-room, nail-biting exploration, and the guys who made it were not afraid of the dark. I don't know if you guys, how you guys feel about nighttime scenes, but my attitude is it should be fucking dark. They would light scenes just with the light sources that the characters had, you know, so it is black. Kind of like they did, kind of like in Blair Witch, like a lot of yeah. those things were just what they had, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they could still frame a shot with the light from the, the flashlights and the lanterns because they weren't doing found footage, 
but it is absolutely blackout, and it just adds to this oppressive, claustrophobic feel where you can't see the problem coming until it's right up in your grill. Uh, so Chrysalis is one to look for. I think that the, it's going to get a release. It's a million-dollar movie, maybe, maybe the high hundred thousands. Only four speaking characters, a few, you know, maybe a, a dozen or so infected, maybe more, a little animal wrangling, and mostly brilliant location scouts. The guys who found the place to film this uh, did a great job. Uh, one of my favorite bits was you know, going through the building and there's all this water that's leaking into the rooms uh, in these old abandoned buildings, and in the winter it is four stalactites and stalagmites inside the buildings. That's pretty cool. So it was amazing. So there you go. Cool. Um, keep an eye out for Chrysalis. Chrysalis. Cool. All right, well, since that's kind of like where we're going, you're saying they're all sledgehammers and, you know, you know rebar. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's get on to the subject, weapons and armor. So... Um, what what are we gonna kill things with the apocalypse? You know, it's like well again, like I said, it depends on what is our apocalypse. Are we talking, you know, the fantasy world of oh, it's gonna be a zombie apocalypse, you know, or more realistically, it's gonna be a, some kind of bad infection kind of uh, apocalypse. Or I'm, I'm voting for something between ecological collapse and peak oil. You know. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it's like because I think also a lot of what your apocalypse is will determine. A little bit of you know what weapons and armor are going to be around because is it a it is a is it a extinction level event uh, population killer type of virus that kills everybody off and there's just no, not a lot of people left and then there's going to be tons of shit laying around is it going to be a zombie apocalypse where it's like you know yeah we got guns because there's a lot of guns in America but you're burning through fucking ammo like it was licorice you know because you're just you know uh, just trying to get through it to kill off the zombies. Is it going to be nuclear and there's nothing left? Yeah, a lot of it's going to depend well, on... And if it's that, uh, that crap-sack future where you have your ecological bomb plus your economic collapse plus energy and high-tech collapse, you're going to have a lot of starving people and your weaponry is going to get burned through. Yeah, uh, exactly right. You know, I watch Z Nation and, and even Walking Dead, and they're far enough in uh, um, both of those, especially Z Nation, where I say... Have they got bullet trees that I'm not seeing? Where is all this ammunition coming from? Uh, for all this trees. fully automatic fire. Uh, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, it, it really, and full automatic fire is less accurate than, than, than uh, single-shot fire anyway, so it doesn't really make any sense on any level that you'd see so much of that. Yeah, let's see, yeah it's th especially because it's three years after. You know, So a lot of ammunition is going to get burned up. And Mike's got a good point about the automatic fire because you talk to anybody who is a trained had military experience, it's like, well, you're not you're not firing automatic to try to hit everybody, you're just trying to get somebody's fucking head down so somebody could get to A to B or somebody else could reload, right? Yeah, you, I mean, know what? you know what, I've fired automatic uh, weapons in, in, a, in a real world combat situation, in a dirty situation, and those things jam up. When was the last time we ever saw one of these shows were a weapon jam? When I was in Iraq, my damn M16 jammed every single time I fired at full auto. Every <laughs> single swing in time. Uh, and yet you never see these things jam. Uh, and they would. You know, three years in, without professional armors, with people picking this stuff up and figuring out how to use it, uh, every weapon would jam uh, uh, every other episode. They would just have to. 
Yeah. yeah because because firearms need to be maintained because dirt, grime, the gunpowder residue, you got to clean that shit, and you got to know how to take it apart and clean it. Yep. Yeah, and certainly right. even the more modern ones. I, I One of my favorite post-apocalyptic weapons, and one I now own, uh, I was from Timothy, Timothy Truman's uh, sort of dystopic post-apocalyptic comic, Scout. And Emmanuel Santana, the, the, the Apache uh, post-apocalyptic survivor, at some point is tromping around with his Lee Enfield bolt-action rifle. Can't go wrong with that. And I, I saw that, and I'm like, yes, please. Uh, bolt-action, you know, I, I keep thinking of, uh, let's see, who else had bolt-action in the post-apocalypse? I think of um, uh, Don Johnson and a boy with his dog at a bolt-action rifle. Yep. And, you know, something that's not going to jam on you would be really handy. Oh, it's really slow to reload, yes, but... Well, well, if if you if you remember, uh, Scott, uh, back in the '80s when the whole Soldier Fortune crowd had these boy crushes on on the Afghani's, that was back when we loved them. Uh, before before they were killing us, and we thought they were great. The big thing was, oh look, they're using they're using Lee Enfield ri uh, rifles uh, against T seventy two tanks. Uh, they're using uh, these old World War One era rifles against. Uh, the most powerful military in the world. Everybody thought that was the greatest thing. So, so yeah, uh, that is that's a go-to weapon. You can't go wrong. Well, and certainly, uh, I will point out that there was a. If you listen to, if you've ever just on the subject of bolt action, weapons versus full auto, um, there was a myth uh, of Afghani marksmanship, and it's not really a myth, but there was a time when they were fighting the Brits, when they were fighting, you know, in the 1850s and the or late. 1800s. Old Khyber um, Pass episode. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the Afghans had a reputation for being really good shots because yeah, they had yeah. muzzle-loading, you know, muskets and, thing, and and then later bolt-action rifles. And you were fighting on mountainsides with these big open, clear, you know, sort of fields of fire, and uh, they had this reputation. Um, that reputation has been reported in various, you know, news outlets as being gone that American soldiers have come back from these various theaters and said, well, thank you. the reason I'm here is because the Afghans can't shoot, and the, the Arabs can't shoot, the Iraqis can't shoot, and they can't shoot because they're holding the trigger down at full auto and missing everything and missing at close ranges. Yeah. Uh, because there's no fire discipline anymore. There's no, uh, uh, it's just my, my noisemaker makes a lot of noise. Too much, too much TV. And movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they've seen the same Rambo films that we have. We've, uh, we've and, defeated them with our media. That's actually yeah. amazingly clever when you think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, anytime, when it comes to weapons, the post apocalypse, I think, you know, pump action shotguns, lever action rifles, bolt action rifles, revolvers. Not big, not sexy at all revolvers is what I want. Um, something I'll be able to shoot 10 years down the road. You know, when it comes to firearms. Well, yeah, um, less, uh, like I said, the bolt actions, the shock, less moving parts and less intricate parts compared to automatic weapons, big machine guns, submachine guns. They're, they're sexy and all, but not practical for long term with minimal maintenance, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I'm going to follow the direction Scott's going, but I'm going to uh, say, okay, let's say I, I will agree with Scott 100%. If we're talking year one, you know, during 
uh, the collapse of everything. Uh, but I would say that if we're going into year two or year three or year five, uh, I'd go the direction that they very intelligently went uh, the first uh, couple episodes of Revolution and very stupidly abandoned uh, from like episode three onward, uh, and that's black powder weapons. Uh, you can't go wrong with black powder weapons. Uh, a properly maintained and loaded black powder weapon is just as accurate and just as deadly for one shot uh, as uh, really virtually any modern weapon for, for all practical purposes. Uh, and, and a black powder pistol uh, is, is like hitting someone with a, with a, a, a mule's leg. Uh, it, it, is, it is just a, a, a completely deadly cannon. So I'd say moving into things, uh, being able to cast your own bullets but not have to go so far as actually doing reloads with casings uh, would allow you to really stay viable with black powder, uh, six-shot Navy revolver, you know, one of those 1836 models, and a 50 caliber uh, Civil War era rifle, 45 caliber Civil War era rifle. These are these are deadly, reliable weapons. That you can get a lot of long term. There are very modern. There are very modern cap and ball black powder weapons out there for hunting enthusiasts. Well, that's right. So, and something like that would be, you know, you see them at gun shows all the time. They're completely modern, made from completely, you know, modern materials and plastics and whatnot. But they're still black powder. They're still. You know what? I don't, need, I don't even need them to be completely uh, modern. Keep in mind, the deadliest war the United States has ever fought in was the Civil War. 600,000 Americans died during the Civil War. Those well, it were, they were plenty good. Uh, they, don't, they don't need to be better. They don't need to be out of, made out of some weenie uh, modern alloy. Uh, <laughs> Civil War era weapons were really damn wow. powerful and deadly. When a Civil War soldier marched out onto the battlefield, he was carrying... Uh, that rifle he was carrying was the most powerful weapon that had ever been carried by a single soldier up to that point in history. Nothing more powerful had ever been carried by a soldier onto the battlefield. Yeah, uh, it, and in the post-apocalyptic environment, it's going to be damn good, especially if you get a bayonet to go in there. <laughs> oh, exactly, because you know, Mike, Mike is right about the, the, the black powder like from Revolution. is because, yeah, we're going to have ammo, and there's a shit ton of fucking ammo out there right now. There's so much ammo, but they said once we start getting into year two, year three, unless people are very conservative, or you have access to the... Because that's another thing. Skills and knowledge. Are you going to know how to hand load your weapon, hand load your, your bullet casings with the machinery that you found in the fucking basement at the pawn shop? You know, Are you going to know how to do that? That is a key factor, too, is the knowledge of how to do it. I, I know how to fire a gun. I know how to clean a gun. Do I know how to reload my gun, uh, my, 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 uh, my shells? Well, I could probably figure it out. Okay, put the shell, put the powder. It's going to go in. Not the because the knowledge is, you know, uh, trapped in that ancient technology called text. And, and, we, and we, it's we, locked away all kinds of places you can get at it. So getting to the knowledge is not too hard, but even reloading. You've got to you got to eat and keep your head down uh, while you're trying to uh, access all this knowledge and make use of it too. Uh, I mean, we're assuming a sort of relaxed environment where I can pop open my manual that I found in some basement, and I have this pristine little reloading lab uh, that some <laughs> lunatic uh, well, survivalist well, well, left behind. Well, well, in your in your community, it might be somebody's job to reload the to to make the weapons. You know, while somebody else is 
harvesting the food. And we've kind of talked we've, we've kind of talked about that before. But specialization is key. If you get enough food coming in for people to specialize in skill sets for the community, you're winning. Well, you know, I guess it depends what kind of environment you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, if there are uh, 25 or 50 or 100 of you, and you can specialize, and you can send, you know, foraging teams and processing teams, if you can do all that. But on the other hand, if you're going back to you know Cormac McCarthy and the road, and it's just <laughs> it really, it, it, it really absolutely depends on on, on what your situation is. Uh, so you're right. Best of all possible worlds. Uh, uh, you're you're right. You'd have a, a fortified compound with with a couple dozen people you could trust, and and people would would have specialized uh, roles. Let me also point out that when it comes to reloading, what most people are doing is buying a giant bag of percussion caps and buying a giant bag of smokeless powder. Um, creating uh, gunpowder, black powder, is apparently not that difficult, but it requires a couple more steps of technology and facilities to create smokeless powder, which is more powerful than black powder. Um, right. So uh, you can end up in situations where, oh great, we can make smokeless powder. We get, we can make black powder. I guess I'll I'll start reloading this nine millimeter parabellum uh, bullets to put in my automatic pistol. Now yeah. we had a guy right into us. What's his name? Um, Colin. Yeah. Let's see here, Colin. Colin, Colin Boyd. Boyd, and he had uh, he he threw some stuff in here. It was very interesting about he did experiments with black powder reloads on modern bullets huh. and he reloaded nine millimeter ammo with black powder and fired it through a Glock 17 I believe it was and he said that he got about 30 rounds in before the particulate the residue from the uh, black powder uh, clogged up the weapon and it jammed interesting but he was able to make it work before the weapon simply stopped working, which, again, I say, revolver, you know, for my answer to that. Um, but it was uh, and, and, tried and, and, and a revolver made for black powder, what's more. Yeah. Uh, he also said that, um, I, he said that they tried using the uh, caps from, uh, they tried using the caps from toy gun caps to create... Uh, percussion caps for the reloads and again they were able to kludge that together but again the weapon malfunctioned eventually and I asked him how long it took him to watch it he said he put it in a dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> rather than so, trying so, to scrub it out he put it in a dishwasher and then oiled it that, that's um, a profound statement you make uh, Scott maybe without realizing it you said the weapon malfunctioned eventually anything all weapons will malfunction eventually yeah. This is a this is a certitude. All yeah. weapons and and the more moving parts they have, they will all malfunction eventually. So that isn't necessarily um, doesn't necessarily mean anything one way or the other. The fact that it will malfunction eventually, because that's a, a universality. It's a matter yeah. of how quickly it'll malfunction and how fatally it'll malfunction and how to reduce a stoppage as we use. Thirty say rounds into a, thirty rounds into a fight with a pistol. A pistol fight's not bad. Yeah, yeah. honestly, because pistol fights aren't multiple magazines unless, you know, something's gone terribly wrong with your planning. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought, well, you know what? I could carry around my pistol with black powder reloads in it, and if I, I mean, have to dismantle the whole gun in the downtime and clean it out, hooray, at least it worked when I needed it to. Well, exactly. That's what I said. Guns with less moving parts, like the bolt action, the revolvers, 
will fare better than you know than the automatics and some automatics because what boy uh, Colin did and even my friend a friend of mine who's pretty knowledgeable in firearms said yeah you could you could reload like your M16 bullets with the black powder it'll work you're they're not powerful enough to give you automatic fire you could fire one at a time but it's going to clog it up so a friend of mine had told me about that a long time ago so that's the thing we're going to have you know once the uh, the smokeless powder runs out because it's like if we're living in this perfect uh, world where yay we got reloading equipment and we're we've forged as much smokeless powder as we can we re-rolled our bullets we were counting our shells and now you're down to smokeless powder your modern firearms aren't going to work so good so what we're going to need to do find is it again if you could find them is the 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 smoke the uh, the black powder guns you know the Civil War era guns uh, those are guns. Familiar? Are you guys familiar with a movie called Ever Since the World Ended? Yes. Uh, low, low budget, low budget, uh, a post-apocalyptic film. Yes, yeah, so it's it's the uh, myth, but one of the MythBuster guys. Yeah, he plays no, one of the guys. I have, no. He plays the one of the Adam something or other plays one of the myth, but, you know, one Adam, of the guys. Adam Savage. Yeah, he plays a guy in the community who's sort of the chemist or whatever. And one of his pro side projects is collecting black powder weapons because there's going to be a point when we can't reload anymore where the brass casings are going to wear out and damage the point that they can't be reloaded. And we're going to have to start casting. Sure, we're casting bullets now, but we're going to, have to start casting mini balls, you know. Mini balls, and, right. And, and creating black powder weapons. We're going to have to take a, a step back technologically because reloading spent casings isn't producing new ammo. That's not the same thing. Oh, exactly. Right. There was one of these prepper shows that I saw where these guys were, the guy was doing that, like learning how to cast musket balls and reload those and make those because he said that eventually this is going to run out. So the guy was kind of, was kind of thinking that far ahead. And even, even more, less than just finding, you know, old, you know, musket rifles, it might get this down to find where somebody gets a fucking tube, a metal tube, and puts some kind of uh, stock on it, and just loads his, he can make the black powder load in there, shove a bunch of fucking nails and ball bearings, and just make a fucking simple blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> I, I, all I can think of is Kirk shooting the Gorn in Arena with the, <laughs> with the bamboo cannon. That's, yeah, that's, that's I bet you it'll even come down to that one point, where it's just metal tubes with... To hold on your shoulder and just make make your own fucking blunderbuss and just boom, it's yeah. it's your improv shotgun because that's to be the best you could do. Now if we're down to that, then I think there we're people are going to start looking for alternatives to weapons, especially yeah, 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 yeah. firearms and the kind of weapon you're describing. You don't want to haul shit around like that. Yeah. I mean, this is when you're holed up in your little hooch or your lair and you've got one of these sitting there so you can shoot the first thing that comes through the door. That's that's all that's good for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Make and a then you either have to run out the back or, or go onto your fire axe and your or your machete. Yeah, uh, but I got to point out that you know uh, there was a, a, a style of post-apocalyptic fiction that followed the Road Warrior films, where they sort of presumed an incredibly uh, you know firearm and black powder uh, uh, you know scarcity uh, mm -hmm. in the future, um, and so suddenly everybody's uh, Post-apocalypse is bladed weapons, and you got all that SCA porn from SM Sterling. I guess it is dies the fire, and to get to the to I, I gotta 
say that if you're going to get to those kind of SCA porn futures where it's all down to, you know, now we have long swords because... Well, somebody's got to make the fucking longsword, dude. You need blacksmiths. and then, Again, that's skill and knowledge. I think it's going to be less of that and more like, yeah, we took this fucking uh, this, uh, street sign and we banged it out and put a fucking edge on it, put a handle on it, and there's my fucking weapon. You know, you know if you want a good model uh, for, for what post-apocalyptic weapons are going to look like, for what a lot of them are going to look like... Um, Go back exactly 100 years. This is the centennial of the Great War. Take a look. Just Google trench raider weapons. Yeah. Look at the stuff that people were using for doing trench raids. Uh, Sawed-off shotguns, baseball bats with barbed wire wrapped around the heads. Uh, I mean, these are, are brutal, gritty, uh, makeshift weapons that, that were no nonsense. Uh, this, is, this is the kind of stuff, and like what you're saying, Jared, uh, stuff that's made from from what you've got to hand, uh, with very specific purpose in mind. So yeah, yes. look at look at World War One era trench weapons to get a real sense for what people will be be trying to use. Well, what's what's the simplest fucking weapon you can make? A fucking club. You could get any kind of big stick and make a fucking club out of it. You know, right. and clubs, maces, hammers, those kind of things will be prevalent because they're easy to maintain and make. Whereas you know, again, it's got the SCA porn, and I agree. Like, oh, we have swords. Yeah, there's so many. There's real swords out there, but there's a lot of fake shit too. Oh and yeah, yeah. Um, I want to point out that at Harper's Ferry, the reason John Brown was arrested and and taken away uh, to be put on trial is that one of the officer, the officer, one of the officers who, one of the Marine officers who led the charge into the uh, main arsenal building, accidentally grabbed a parade saber rather than a real saber. And when he hit John Brown on the head, instead of cleaving him down from the top of his skull to the to his, to his front teeth, it just bounced off his skull, fractured his skull, knocked him out. I didn't know uh, that. Interesting. Yeah. If it if the guy had grabbed the right weapon, there would have been no trial. There wouldn't have been this martyrdom, and it wouldn't have been one of the things that propelled the Civil War, just because somebody grabbed the wrong sword. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're going to see, you know, you know, people, there's gonna there's you can go to fucking any raid any Home Depot. You're gonna get axes. You're gonna get sledgehammers. Hammers, machetes, hammers, machetes. Um, you know, you can people can even be taking like fucking. You know, stores are great places. You got cleavers and what, what store? Uh, like? what kitchen, kind of, kitchen stores. Home oh, stores, open stores. Yeah, you know, you get get uh, large large butcher knives and cleavers and anything like that. I thought he said ninja store. Uh, well. Well, so not, well, you don't know. You don't know where those are. So <laughs> the ninja stores are invisible. They're all no, around. I stopped using that word uh, in the '80s. I never use that word anymore. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We don't it's use the. Ridiculous. We're not using the N word. We're not using the. And the N word exactly. And in the post-apocalypse, in every community, there will be at least one asshole who's running around in black pajamas with his ninja toe. And ideally, he will die very, very, very soon on in a very bad way, uh, and not not pollute the apocalypse for everybody else. Is he ruining the apocalypse? Ruining with his, with his with his stupid little shoes with the little big toe separate on them. Yeah, absolutely. He is wrecking. He's ruining it for everyone. <laughs> what, happened? what happened to Frank? Uh, Coyote has Coyote has got him. Uh, but uh, but uh, <laughs> but all but also um, it's gonna be worth your last shotgun round. Just to look that up. 
it's your last one. You're looking in the looking in those two barrels, and one of them's empty, and you're thinking. My, my shoulder armor is going to be made out of little rubber-soled shoes with a little separate toe on them. <laughs> <laughs> These are my pauldrons. This is my shoulder armor. Well, uh, the, uh, 10, 10, uh, 10K from uh, Z Nation's got fucking shoe soles on his uh, shoulders. That's right. And, and actually, that's brilliant when you think about it. I mean, a disproportionate number of attacks from people, you know, from people who are not necessarily trained combatants, are just going to be brought straight down on you. It's going to be a baseball bat or an axe, uh, and they're going to swing right, and they're going to break your collarbone, and that's it. That's it. Game over. You're you are you are out of the fight. Uh, you know, from a crude overhand attack. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is where you. And, and you know, we haven't talked about armor at all. We talk about firearms. Uh, armor, improvised armor is worthless once we, we get into uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, firearms. Do, that doesn't do squat. But in melee, you know, what's better than a set of uh, football pads? I mean, what is going to protect you from a disproportionate number of attacks that you would get? Man, if you can lay your, your hands on some shoulder pads and a football helmet, you are, are a, a step good, ahead for anyone who's going to be fighting hand-to-hand. It's a good start on a lot of things. The only thing it's, it's not going to do is, you know, so much... And I don't mean to get into SCA porn, but so much armor is about just... It's, it's sloped. It's like the armor on a T-34. Because uh, it was sloped armor, it was more effective. It was more about turning a, a, an attack or turning the force away rather than just absorbing it or, or stopping it. So I don't know if football pads are going to provide that kind of protection because they're not designed to turn away a machete blade. Or You know what I mean? But but it'll, 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 it'll absorb blunt trauma from, like, say, you're getting hit with a hammer or a club or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I would I would rather have them absorbing uh, uh, any given attack in a half-assed way than have my uh, collarbone absorbing that same attack. Uh, I guess I guess that's what I would say. I mean, sure, there's going to be there's going to be a continuum here of stuff that's that's better uh, or worse. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, it, are there things better than say football pads? Sure, absolutely. But will I take those in lieu of nothing? Sure. <laughs> Uh, I just had this nightmare of wearing my, my, my you know, you get your hot, your football pads, your helmet, somebody swings that machete, brings it straight down on your fucking shoulder pad, and the pad turns the blade into your neck, you know, and it's like, oh, that's probably not the way the blow should have been angled, was into my meat, oops, you know. We're yeah. in the category of damned if you do, damned if you do. Yeah, 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 but you're right. Rather have it than not. My my favorite Z Day armor is from shoot, Jared. What's the name of that really cool black and white low budget zombie movie you sent me? The one shot in Georgia. Oh, of the black one. Oh no. Um, where the Alamo gun comes from? Oh my fucking god! Holy crap! It well, is... we're doing those guys at a service for not remembering. Yeah, uh, it's been so long since I've looked at it. It is shit. Well, well, we'll have to owe them the apology. But one of the best things in that is when they armor up, and they're like, you know, they're they're getting thick gloves, like climbing gloves, leather jackets, leather jackets, yeah, right. gloves. And I'm like, yeah, that they're gonna have a hard time biting through that. That leather yeah. jacket is pretty good for your Z Day problem, and, or and, for and your rabid, or for your rabid dog in the ruins problem, right? The, the leather jacket works really well, and and if you're dealing with people and you've got a heavy leather jacket and you've stitched. 
uh, discs of metal on the thing, then that's going to protect you from a lot of uh, like machete slashes across the torso. Uh, I mean, this is all this is all a lot of ancient armor uh, was. Uh, it was just leather jackets with things uh, stitched or stapled or or somehow attached to it in some way. So yeah, a leather jacket with uh, a breastplate made out of a stop sign. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's going to deflect an awful lot of things. Like I said, nothing's going to deflect a bullet. Uh, and if you're fighting some huge bruiser that's got a pike uh, and he hits you on, you know, uh, in the chest with, uh, you know, whatever armor you're wearing, it might go through it. But once again, the stuff's on a continuum. Uh, you're doing the best you can. Oh, yeah. And and to, and to go back what uh, Scott was saying about SCA porn and armor, you get... Again, I don't, you know, I'll probably get slammed for it because I'm not in the SA and I'm not practicing and fighting with swords. But I think the same thing applies here as applies to, you know, like you get all these people. I'm a second degree black belt, and I could block all this stuff because because you're in the fucking dojo with planned and choreographed moves, so all your stuff works perfectly. Now, yeah, there are some people out there who are really fast, remember all this stuff, and yeah, they're going to be able to kick your ass because because they do know more than you do, but not everything, you know, because, again, they're in these unrealistic scenarios. There are some people, yeah, who are that fucking good. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of these people who think, oh, I know everything because I can do it, it doesn't survive real-world fucking interactions. Like, somebody's just fucking coming at you with a knife. He's not coming at you with the knife like you practice in the dojo, okay? <laughs> he didn't rehearse with you. He uh, didn't rehearse with you, so all your fucking skills ain't going to work. So I think the same fucking thing applies to all these SCA people, this you know, who like, oh, I fight with a sword and I could do this and that. Yeah, but you know what? You guys practice and move the same moves and techniques. You get some uneducated fucking rube who's just got himself a nice fucking, you know, fucking sledgehammer coming at you. You know what? He doesn't know to attack you in a certain way, and you're like, oh, my God, you're not, you know. I think the same rules are going to apply to where, yeah, some of these people might be that good to where it'll work for them, but I think a lot of them who think they know shit, they're just going to get taken down just as easily as anybody else. Well, you know what? You know, I see these SCA guys doing their demo fights at, at Gen Con. They strike those fruity little poses before they fight. I just want to fucking <laughs> Oh, you are starting to just, fight. You're just just want down the gauntlet, all right? That, that, won't get them through, that won't get them through the first fight. I mean, that's it. They'll, 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 they'll be out at that point. You know, it'll be... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it's, on. It's all okay. Jared actually gave me an opening to quote from the novel by William Goldman, The Princess Bride, where there's this whole bit where um, Inigo Montoya, our great swordsman, is being is keeps flashing back to his, his instructor. And the guy would do things like, okay, you know how to sword fight. Well, how about sword fighting on a staircase? Okay, you know how to do that? Oh, now you know how to sword fight. Now you're going to learn how to sword fight on broken terrain, on you know, on on uh, on bricks. Oh, now I'm going to turn the lights off. You know, right. now I'm going to, and I'm just like, and I'm like, yeah, aha, uh -huh, okay, that's actually pretty awful. You know, there's a there's an author named uh, Gilby. I forget his first name. He's a little bit obscure, but he's a guy who's like uh, studied different martial arts and and done comparisons of them and he's kind of an asshole when you read when you read his work he, he really comes off kind of as a dick um, but he says something very interesting if you can be uh, an nth degree black belt with an unarmed martial arts style that involves a lot of high kicks or 
you can be uh, pretty good with a style that uses uh, a short stick. Uh, be pretty good with the style that takes a, that uses a short stick. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 the the idea that you know it's going to work out the way it did in the dojo or in the or, or in the gymnasium. Yeah, I get how that could be a that that may not come out the way we hoped or like on the fuck man like on the um the gun range. Oh wow, I can hit the target from a hundred yards away. I'm an I'm. Uh, I'm an American sniper. <laughs> what was the thing? Uh, getting shot at sure can rattle a fella. Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I have no illusions about how I'm going to react under fire. I presume there'll be uh, much freezing, too much thinking about it, and probably. Well, the only people, the only people who might fare a little better are the people who maybe do the tactical stuff, because at least they're. In different situations, not just like okay, I'm standing still and I could hit a standing still target. Whereas people moving through houses, obstacles, they're they're going to be a little better off. Yeah, yeah. Plus, anybody who's ever been uh, shot at in anger is uh, again that there's that whole thing that having violence directed at a feller sure can rattle him. Um, one other thing I want to drop uh, in here, just because uh, Mr. Boyd uh, was kind enough to share. Uh, some of this stuff with us uh, was uh, he threw out some kludge weapons, which I thought were interesting, which were weapons that were made out of the scraps of other weapons. Um, uh, one of the most uh, he had some uh, uh, rifles that he showed off, and I'm going to see if I can make this work with our screen share, and I'm going to throw this up and see if anyone can. Hopefully, you guys can see it. Uh, how are you guys seeing that uh, that weapon there? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, that. Yeah. That like, uh, is an M1 carbine uh, uh, stock. Uh, no, no, it is not. That is an SKS. That is a Russian SKS. Uh, he said that the guy who made them picked up three of them that were on sale because they'd been in a fire. Okay, they were junk weapons, and the the armorer picked it up. Uh, he added a. Uh, Front sight from I believe a Czechoslovakian version of an AK at the far at the front end on it, and that barrel is a 45 caliber ACP barrel, and the magazine that's been built into it is actually a um, uh, from a grease gun from an M3 grease, grease gun. gun. Yeah. So, so it went from being out. so it went from being a, a rifle to sort of a, a you know a, a pistol carbine you know uh, firing you know. Um, uh, uh, firing a, uh, but yeah, yet, yeah. but yet again, he first world problems. They're in a situation of we have time to play around with these things and machine stuff. Again, in the apocalypse, you might not have the leisure time and luxury to cobble together these things. You have to kind of cobble these things together beforehand. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, and this guy, uh, fortunately for him, the, yeah. the 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 thing is, he just took a, a weapon that fires a you know, a foreign rifle round, and now it fires a domestic pistol round. Maybe that's going to be easier to get, um, but it's still, its big problem is, of course, just the problem of reload. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that, that's the big problem. He also threw out some stuff where guys had taken old Sten guns and turned them into pistols and things and turned them into uh, to firing different kinds of ammo. Uh Uh, to a cheap-ass, tiny number of parts 
only one machined part of the whole weapon, which I think is the bolt. And, you know, it was a weapon that just got pooped out in vast numbers in World War II. And some of these Sten uh, variants that were created, like, let's see here, he made this, uh, or other guys made this very interesting uh, pistol. And I wanted to point out the pistol, Jared, because what post-apocalyptic weapon does that remind you of? Mm, the uh, ratchet gun from uh, Metro 2033. Exactly. And that's a, that's a, a cut-down Sten gun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, He's with a pistol grip. He's cut down the barrel. But with a pistol grip added. It's a Sten pistol. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. What's not to like? Yeah, I thought that was really cool as far as, like, taking weapons and, you know, repurposing them. And, again, it certainly reminded me of the Metro 2033 weapon. So I, I had to throw that out for Jared's benefit. But some oh. of the, the – you see this stuff out of Libya and Syria, people making weapons out of sewer pipe. You know what I mean? Um, anything that they can get their hands on. That's always very fascinating to me is the, the ability to turn – making zip guns out of nothing. In fact – in Mexico, some of these self-defense militias that have shown up because the cops, they're, 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 they don't have the access to legal weapons the way we do, which means that the only people that have weapons are the cops and the drug cartels. And you got these Mexican peasants who are making guns out of junk uh, and, uh, and, and, and then using them to steal the cops and the, and the you know, cartels' guns from them. But they started off with just zip guns. Just zip shotguns and zip rifles, and uh, you know, made out of pipe and carved pieces of wood, and you know, holy crap, then found a way to make it work. There's also speaking of revolvers, again, if this is something you could get your hands on before the apocalypse to have as your as your weapon, uh, a good weapon. I've seen it before. There's a a, a revolver called the uh, Medusa Model 47. It has the ability to fire like up to 25 different cartridges. Wow. Um, 38. Anything from the 38 uh, caliber range, 9 millimeter, 357, uh, even 40 caliber uh, rounds could fit into this one because it's got some kind of unique uh, cylinder system where it could fit these different rounds in there. So that's kind of a cool idea. Uh, it's a revolver? It's a revolver, yeah. So that's something you could use to. Uh, it's like, well, whatever I could get my hands on, because you know, nine millimeter is pretty common, thirty-eight. So whatever you can get your hands on, so that's something. That's a revolver that might serve you well, because you know, again, as am ammo gets uh, scarcer uh, during the uh, apocalypse, I'm just trying to wasn't, adjust my camera. Wasn't there. that what happened in in the road where they found that bunker, and they're like, whoopee, we found a bunker full of food, and they find all this forty-five ACP ammo. And he's got a thirty-eight revolver. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't remember about the, the. I just remember the bunker with the food. Uh, I didn't remember anything about the ammo. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think they showed it in the movie, but in the but in the book, it was just like ah shit. Yeah. <laughs> Problem not solved. You know. What are you gonna do? Trade, trade ammo to a guy who's then gonna use the ammo to shoot you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, certainly. Um, I, I love my Lee Enfield. I love the fact that it comes with a big, heavy brass buttstock, and now I have a bayonet for it. So, in worst case scenario, it can become an expensive spear and club. club. Oh yeah, yeah cool. spears, 
Yeah, again, go to the, the kitchen store, get a fucking pole, and latch to it. Yay, you got yourself a spear if we need to go that That's primitive. Right. Now, yeah. another, another thing I was mentioning to Scott earlier today, because it was actually from a book I was reading, The Earth Abides. Now... I've got a copy of that laying around here somewhere. So it got to the point where it was only two or three generations in, and just the way they got to that point was kind of like, apparently nobody knew anything, or everybody was dumb, and the one guy uh, was the smart guy. Yeah, and he, he didn't, you know, nobody taught anybody anything, and all the kids forgot everything immediately because nobody would want to learn, and nobody got taught. It's kind of stupid, but they... But he knew that, you know, eventually the bullets would run out and the reload. Mind you, the book uh, was written like in the late 40s, or uh, came out like in 51. So what happened was several generations, <coughs> excuse me, several generations, like two or three generations in, like 30, 40, 50 years, uh, like he predicted, people were starting to use bows and arrows more. Because, like, it started off with them teaching the kids as a game, and eventually it passed on, so they used bows and arrows. And the kids were talking about... They're like, because he's like, well, what are these arrowheads made of? He's like, oh, we find the, the, the round, you know, the round metal around. And he's talking about talking about it. And this one does this, and this one does that. They're talking about fucking loose change. They're, they're taking quarters and nickels and pennies, and they're pounding them down and making arrowheads out of the loose change. Which there has got to be infinity bazillion fucking coins laying around this country potential arrowheads waiting, because eventually, you know, yeah, the fancy bows, the fancy arrows are going to run out. you got to start making your own. So I thought that was kind of a cool idea that they're just taking, you know what, there's loose change yeah, everywhere. The metal divot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember in the road, going back to the road, uh, uh, our protagonist gets shot in the leg with an arrow near the end of the book, uh, and Cormac McCarthy says the arrow was made out of a spoon. Uh, uh, oh, I forgot that. It was. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Now, that's only five years in. That's only five years in, and it really struck me, okay, are people really going to be forging arrowheads out of spoons five years in? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think he sort of jumped the gun on that just, just, just a little bit. Well, uh, no, 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 that book took place, that was longer than five years. That kid was like almost ten. So yeah. I, I think it was closer uh, to that. Was it wasn't further on than that? Okay. But, I mean, still, but, still, but still ten years. Eh, maybe. Right. The description I remember of the guy who picks up the kid at the end is that he's got these shotgun shells that the ends are sealed with melted wax. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's this completely grizzled-looking uh, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, ruins fighter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The guy who picks up the kid. I think there's something, there's something to be said for having one of the uh, top three best American authors doing uh, post-apocalyptic fiction. Uh, I mean, seriously, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it, 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 uh, I I enjoy that book. That is that is possibly one of my favorite post-apocalyptic books. In part, just because it's so well written. Oh yeah, it does a very very good book. I even, I even think the movie was very uh, was was very good too. You know, mm -hmm. most most. Mm -hmm. When it comes to weapons in the post-apocalyptic world, uh, most of the so much post-apocalypse came through men's adventure fiction. Uh, we've got a lot of gun porn out there. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, again, what are our favorite? Who's our? What does what uh, uh, Michael Rourke, the survivalist, carry there, Mister? Mr. John, John Thomas Rourke. John Thomas Rourke. John Thomas Rourke carries around a twin pair of Daytonics. 
45s with the Pacmar grits. Okay? That's right. <laughs> with the extended slide, uh, hard ballers, whatever the fuck that is. And and you'd get that mantra. You learned more about his guns than you did about his kids in that in that series. Right. Oh right, my god. Right. Yeah. And, oh, and, and in real life, he's gonna he's gonna be carrying around the non-matching twins of the chopped off baseball bat with the nail through it and the claw hammer. Uh, this this is what he's gonna be carrying. These two fraternal twins. One with with, with Pacmore grips. Yeah. <laughs> grips. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the? Uh, Do you see the guys see the Kate and Peel skit that ended with the guy coming to beat his friend with a baseball bat with nails in it, and he comes having become angry about some misunderstood text, and the guy runs up with the baseball bat. And he's like, "Oh, dude, what, what, what are you?" He's like, "Um, I, I, I brought you a baseball bat with nails in it." And he goes, "For my post-apocalyptic Jackie Robinson costume? How did you know?" <laughs> I'm I'm thinking yeah I think I want my, I think I want a ja I think I want a post-apocalyptic Jackie Robinson costume although I think I'm gonna have to I think so I think I'm gonna have to go with Babe Ruth you know, you, you point so, the stands where the head's gonna land the baseball theories so I think oh. we've covered, I think we've covered a lot of you know you know what we think's gonna the degradation of firearms and you know a lot of it's just gonna be improvision you know we're gonna be now we're gonna be pounding our quarters to make arrowheads and stuff like that. Armor's going to be improvised, whether I it's... Think that it, we're going to go back to a steam age. We're going to get dropped back into the 1850s, and it's going to be a lot of black powder, a lot of black powder. Those are the guys who are going to rule the world who can, who can keep the black powder flowing. Exactly. So, again, improvised armor, whether it's, you know, football pads, leather jackets, you know, buckskins, you know, thick leather, whatever, you know, whatever's going to be around. We didn't hit armor too much because it's, you know, again, if you got... Somebody's a, unless you got somebody's a blacksmith, you're not making metal. You know, you're not making metal. But armor's armor. going to be important, not so much for, um, not so much for this road warrior nonsense, but for oh, I didn't get stabbed on the rusty piece of rebar because I was wearing a padded leather jacket, so I don't get tetanus and I don't die. Oh and yeah. yeah. It, it, I think the armor, a lot of armor that people wore on their torso has been has been quilted types of armor anyway. So basically, anything that you can. Put together in layers, and maybe put something uh, uh, more uh, resilient or rigid in between. I mean, that's what lamellar armor was. It was was layers of cloth that had uh, sheets of metal. So you know, if you can if you can take a basic uh, sturdy thing like a jacket, uh, and then sew pieces of metal in over the torso, and then put another jacket over it to keep the metal protected and the threads on it from getting cut, you've got actually a pretty good uh, effective piece of armor. Yeah, like on your back, you can get one of those. Like you get yourself a nice little fucking bacon tray, you know, where you make your cookies and put it in the back, and then you got your back protection, you know. Yeah. And don't don't forget shields. I mean, a shield is is you know an active defense system. Uh, you know, shield is 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 uh actually a really really good defensive implement. And, and we're talking about because uh, if we're talking post apocalypse, what if you what if the rabid dog comes at you? I mean, you know. That's uh, you know since we're gonna be all out of rabies vaccine, uh, yeah, you're gonna point. Have, you're gonna want to have some fucking armor uh, when yeah. it comes to the animals that are no longer gonna be afraid of us because dogs, wolves, all those panthers that have been released from the zoo and are breeding, you know, bears. <laughs> wasn't, there a lion, wasn't there a lion wandering around uh, New York in Twelve Monkeys? There was a bear for a bear. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, so armor is going to be again what you, what what you make of it. But I mean, there'll be some things around like when we talk about you know some that's useless against bullets. But you know, yeah, you're going to find some of your you know depending on the apocalypse, you might be able to break into your freaking you know local police stations and get your ballistic armor or the gun shops, and you're going to get that. But again. How long is the stuff going to last? I, I you know? tell you what I, I want is I want those fucking knee pads and elbow pads that everybody in the military wears now with your crawling along over broken rocks as fast as they can to get out of the way of trouble. Yeah, that's what I'm going to want because otherwise... Well, you, you can get that kind of shit at Home Depot like for like when people are on, yes. on your knees yeah. for like yeah. doing a lot of work. Yeah, yeah get those fucking yeah. knee pads. I think that shit's going to be critical, especially yeah. for an old man with bad knees like me. I don't want to have to see the white bones of my knees sticking out because yeah. I had to crawl over broken glass. Or but you're right. You're, you're right. Anything that will protect your knees or your elbows, uh, yeah. Shin, shin guards? Simple shin, simple guards. shin guards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And boots. Yeah. You know, fortunately, open-toe shoes will, will go will go the way of the dodo. In the <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. Are, aren't you wearing open-toe shoes right now, Mike? You caught me. <laughs> Hold him up. He's got the ninja uh, shoes with the extra thumb toes. This is all I ever wear. <laughs> I'm so glad we saw the bottom of Mike's shoe. That's, uh, that, 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 that's a first on podcast at Ground Zero. But uh, <laughs> Mike's bottom of Mike's shoe. So um, now that we've covered a lot of you know real world possible situations, let's you know as we start to wind down, yeah. let's talk about some of our favorite. Post-apocalyptic weapons. It could be something real, or it could be from fiction, movies, games. What, what, what do you like? What, what, what floats your boat when it comes to favorite apocalyptic weapons and armor? You know, in the fantasy realm. You know. Mm. Um, strangely, some of my favorite weapons from like the Fallout games were things like the bolt-action sniper rifle. There's that hunting rifle you can pick up that you can mod up with a with a sight, you can get a extra magazine, a nicer bolt, and I, I played through most of the game just with that, because, yeah, I'm the bastard who likes to shoot guys from a thousand yards away when they don't even see where the bullets are coming from, thank you very much. Um, Jared likes to wade in with a flamethrower and just, you know, see the whites of their eyes when he lights them up. <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I, prefer, I prefer it to be a big surprise when their head disintegrates. Um, so I loved all that stuff. Uh, but some of the weapons from Fallout were hilarious. What was the one from Fallout 3 that was the vacuum cleaner in reverse that you could put all kinds of crap into? It would fire any junk in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't quite remember. But the, oh, the steam-powered the steam powered, um, uh, 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 railroad spike rifle. Yeah. That was another one that was just absolutely hilarious. But I, I, liked, I liked the crappy... Um, Russian Sten gun from uh, Metro 2033. Oh, yeah, that the, the ratchet gun, real simple make. They can manufacture it, you know. And you can see the you can see the stick mag going through it. The magazine yeah. went from one side of the weapon to the other, and you could visually check your mag and see how many rounds were left. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, very useful for Joe, Joe Average Grunt. To be able to look down and see how much ammo he's got. Yeah, weapon. that that's that's up there in some of my favorites. Um, uh, one of my favorite, again, fantasy post-apocalyptic weapons is I'm gonna, of course, I'm gonna go back to Gamma World uh, to go there. One of my favorites, the fusion rifle. I love okay. the fusion rifle. This big backpack with the fucking atomic cells, 
and a fucking rifle that shoots out fucking uh, radiation out of it. You know, it's like it's basically a flamethrower that shoots radiation. Like it's like a World War II flamethrower that shoots radiation. <laughs> <laughs> gamma rays. Gamma rays. Gamma rays of radiation. Big. Love that. That's like that's like one of my all time favorite was the the uh, the fusion rifle. You know, because they just picture the guy with the backpack with the rifle, with the tube going to it, it's like, boo, shooting out these big beams of radiation, you know? Do I remember it right that it had, like, a barrel, like a pair of tuning forks? There was actually two beams that came out of it or something? There were supposed to be two beams that come out of it. I don't know the particulars of how it came out, uh, but it, was, okay. it, it did do two beams. But, yeah, fusion rifle, Gamerold, favorite, favorite of all time. So, of course, you know, things like, you know, you got your, uh, you know, your Mark Seven rifles, all the cool names, all these, like, you know, Flash Gordon Ray guns. I kind of like from uh, the Deathland series. It's a real-world weapon. Doc Tanner uses the well, the Lamat revolver. Yep, percussion cap with a shotgun, uh, muzzle-loaded shotgun uh, barrel. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a post-apocalyptic game, but as long as we're talking about first-person shooter games, as long as we're talking about video games, uh, there were some uh, post-apocalyptic-ish weapons in Redneck Rampage. I don't know if any of you guys ever played that. Uh, there was you never played Redneck Rampage. Uh, there was the um, a gun that shot buzzsaw blades. That was a lot of fun. Uh, there was firing uh, dynamite out of your crossbow. Uh, so uh, there was firing dynamite tied to a chicken out of your crossbow, so it would fly around a while uh, and then <laughs> randomly land somewhere. So there was some good inspiration in that. The, the dynamite thing immediately makes me think of uh, Woody Strode. In the professionals, where he's got the stick of dynamite tied to the the arrow, and as he starts to drop back, he's got a cigar and he lights the fucking fuse with the cigar. And then, I don't, I'm sure that that's not gonna work. That 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 stick of dynamite on a arrow is gonna fuck its trajectory and fuck its its its. I'd want to try it a couple times with an unlit stick of dynamite just to see what happens. Yeah, but, or, 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 may, or maybe something the size and weight of it that's not dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> but just the fact that he lights it with a cigar, <laughs> now I'm gonna fuck you up. I mean, that's just that beats Rambo's exploding arrowheads all to hell, as far as I'm concerned. Now, now y'all both know Will Thrasher, I think he wrote up a yeah. fun series of Ooh. post. Will Thrasher? You know Ooh. Will Thrasher. Ooh. You know Will. Yeah, you know him, don't you, Scott? Um, I might have heard of him. You know him, Jared. Haven't you had him on the show? I believe we've mistaken you for him this episode. Mike, we are fucking with you. <laughs> anyway, he did a series of weapons at D-Infinity Online, uh, D-Infinity Online game magazine called uh, Recycled Weapons. Uh, so they're a little whimsical. Like one is a baseball bat that has a wire wrapped around it and a battery attached to it, so it gives you a shock when you hit someone with it. Uh, another is a garret made out of a bicycle chain, but it's uh, sort of sort of whimsical, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> post-apocalyptic weapons made from recycled junk. Uh, he's going to be doing a shield made out of plasma TVs that actually has a field of plasma on it uh, that can protect the person using it. So more Gamma World type stuff, uh, more mutant oh, future type I love stuff. The idea. Yeah, I love the idea of using an entertainment center as a weapon. That's just hilarious. For Clint, for Clint Staples, do we have any way to weaponize a bike? No. <laughs> Would you say? No. 
No. Uh, do we have a way of weaponizing a bicycle? For weaponizing a bicycle? Well, like I said, uh, Will Thrasher wrote up a garret made out of a bicycle chain. That's a good start. Um, That's a good start. You could, uh, make little hand spikes out of the spokes. Uh, oh, you could make good, uh, uh, like, brass knuckles uh, with the pedals. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, think, I think it can be done. There you go. See, Mike's thinking on his, Mike's thinking on his, on his feet. I got no. you, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no, no, it's no, it, it's not a again. It's not. It's, well, this movie's not post-apocalyptic. But you could say by the time they got into the second movie, they were going through post-apocalyptic landscapes. Phantasm two. Yeah. Fucking Reggie's improvised double double barrel the shotgun. Double, the quadruple barrel shotgun. The double double oh, barrel and, shotgun. Classic. And, and the best part about that was. The, the way that he had the, the, the end of it cut. Yeah. Yeah, like this, so that there's this ridiculous. Bam. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea if that really would make it awesome like that, but I don't care. It looked fucking great. It, 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 is, it is the street sweeper. It's, oh it's, all, it's all about appearances. It doesn't matter how well it works. People might go, okay, we're not going to fuck with this guy. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that cool-ass weapon. Phase of this. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else, uh, you know, that uh, that really jumped out. That was a really fun, uh, a really fun or interesting post-apocalyptic weapon. I'm, and and again, sadly, because I picked up uh, Fallout again recently, I'm thinking of things like those the, the rebar club that's just a bunch of concrete stuck in rebar. You know? That you're clubbing people with. Uh, hey, and I, you know, I, I, when I was young, uh, I traipsed around with a chunk of rebar as, as like a walking stick. You know, didn't look like much at a glance, but it was, it was a chunk of rebar. So yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get hit with that. You just no, don't want to get hit, hit with that or stabbed no. with it or whatever. Oh, going back to bikes. Wait, uh, Jared, Jared, your stick, your oh, zombie stick. Oh, the zombie stick. Well, have we mentioned it before? Oh, uh, we might have talked about. Okay, we're in a weapon show. Talk about it. It's a stick. Okay. All right. Now, this is what happens when Jared gets bored. Okay. So, Don't I. Let it happen. Yeah, I call it the zombie stick. I took a fish bat. Okay. Well, when people go, when you go deep sea fishing, you have what's called a, typically what's called a fish bat. It's just a short club, you know, that they'll use when they pull these big fish on the boat smack them in the head to stop them from kicking around because they're big fucking fish. You want to stun them. So they hit them with these clubs. They're short clubs. They're like, they're like little baseball bats. They're like maybe, maybe this long. They're like maybe uh, two and a half feet long, like 36 inches maybe. These little fish bats. They make them out of wood and they make them out of aluminum. Now I'm like, well, those things are both pretty light, sturdy, but let's see if we can get some extra punch into the aluminum one. So what I did was I went to the bottom of it because it's hollow. I drilled a hole, I filled it with BBs from a BB gun, filled the whole freaking thing up, got some, like some JB Weld type material, put it back in the hole, sealed at the bottom, okay, and now this little bat, it must weigh 15 fucking pounds, it is heavy as shit, you need to have a little lanyard on it because it's going to come flying out of your hands, but let me tell you, you just got to, all you have to do is connect with somebody with that, and they're going to be hurting for certain, okay? You hit them in the arm, I guarantee you you'll fracture their arm, because, I mean, this thing is heavy, but it's unwieldy, so you got to connect. 
with that. Right. If, you don't, if you don't connect to that, you're going to get overthrown. Figure, you know, like the Romans used to train with the, the wood swords as opposed to yeah. like the heavier yeah. ones. Way heavier than that. So unless you connect, you're in trouble because you're going to, it's going to overswing you and you're in trouble. But hey, you hit somebody with that, they're going to go on, they're going to go on the ground. The leg, the arm, you hit them in the skull, forget it, they're done. Yeah, but, I just... I just thought of something. Going back to what you were saying about uh, zip guns, uh, Jared, you know what would work pretty well, and, and people could uh, improvise it with almost any kind of ammunition, uh, a bang stick. Oh. Yeah. I mean, basically just a big pole with a metal uh, fitting at the end that you call or a forty-five caliber slug or whatever in, uh, and then just have a, you know, set up with a nail so when you jam it into something, it goes off. Uh, so, you know, perfect if you don't have a lot of ammo. If nobody has a lot of ammo, you're not going to be getting in a lot of gunfights, but you get into a hand-to-hand uh, -hand fight, and you just jab with that thing, and then suddenly you have a point-blank uh, shotgun shell going off. Uh, so bang sticks, I think that would be uh, something in the 5- to 10-year uh, range out. <laughs> oh, well, I used to think about that. When I used to have my, uh, my townhome years ago, and... We had hurricane shutters, or we used to call them zombie shutters. Now we're talking. This is this is mid '90s, okay? This is before the whole zombie craze. So, figure, put the shutters on, lock the place up. Basically, if you have zombies, I was like, you know, a bang stick would be a perfect weapon because if they're all gathered out yep. in the front, you just That's fucking right. open, open the second story window. You just fucking lean down, pop, yep. pop, pop with the bang stick. Yep. Shoot them, or you know what? If you don't want to run low on ammo, you just put a fucking big spike on me and just fucking hitting the zombies. In the head from the second floor window to try to clear them out a little bit. You know, when I, whenever I watch uh, Dawn of the Dead, either version, I always look out at that crowd of zombies. And there's some point where they're shooting the zombies or whatever, and, and I can't. Th I keep thinking, ah, oh, that's ammo. What are you doing? Waste all that ammo. And I think what you need is one of those old 1980s vintage wrist rockets uh, loaded up with ball bearings. I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that's one. That seems like a great thing. You know, well, there's nothing to do on a Saturday morning outside our, our zombie-surrounded mall. I think I'll go out on the roof with the wrist rocket and a bunch of ball bearings, which is quiet, don't, and just just see if I can start fracturing some zombie skulls. One of the kids on Z Nation uses that. Yep, 10K. Oh, yeah. he's, he uses a freaking big-ass fucking slingshot. You know? Yeah, he's using, he's using a wrist rocket. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, good. You're exactly right, Scott. Hell, spent batteries, you know, anything in there. There's all kinds of nasty you can put in something like that, and it's pretty good. I remember being pretty surprised as a kid when I blew a hole in the, in my parents' uh, you know back porch screen, where it just went poo right to the screen. Like, you know, didn't expect you know, that. Speaking of the '80s and things you could order out of the back of Soldier Fortune magazine. I never thought these uh, uh, were very impressive until I saw a friend of mine get one and use it. Blow guns. Interesting. The the darts were just a plastic bead, and you would heat up a piece of like you know heavy gauge uh, steel, almost just a little bit more than wire, and stick it into the bead. The dart didn't look like anything at all, but you could blow one of those through like a quarter inch of plywood. Uh, so really, really, really pretty deadly. Uh, and you never see those being used, but those were big in the 80s. You could get like these, these I, uh, people, I guess they were like pieces. I'd love to see people hunting with that stuff post-apocalyptically. You yeah. send the bullets for a fight with people, you know, but but when you're out there looking to get dinner, I just remember some, there was a movie at Zompire called The Sound of Nothing, which was, again, a 10-year after 
15 years after the Apocalypse film. And I just remember the main character's out there with his bolt-action rifle hunting, and it's a bolt-action, you know, Mauser 98, and he's shooting at rabbits. And I'm thinking, idiot. That rabbit's going to explode into a mist. There's just going to be rabbit puree. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Where's your 22? Where's your yeah. varmint rifle? Your, your pellet gun. Did you forget the pellet gun? Something yeah. you can use air with a hand yeah, exactly. oh, air like, weapon. Don't take down a rabbit. And then la last weapon I'm going to talk about, then we're going to wrap this up, is if we're going to blow guns and stuff, let's talk about what's something really easy that all you need is like a little patch of leather or cloth and sling. some kind of string. You make a thank sling. you. A sling. Now, mind you, it takes some fucking skill to use those damn things, but if you can master that, that could be a pretty deadly weapon. Again, use batteries, put that on there, swing it, hit somebody in the head. It, you can you can hurt somebody with that, yeah. you know? You, yeah. you, see, you see it being used in the Middle East right up to this day. Uh, you know, you see these Palestinian kids using this sling, and they're using the same model of sling uh, that, you know, their forebears were using five, ten thousand years ago. Uh, they knocked down Goliath. Yeah. So yeah, slings are easy. Slings are easy to make. I remember reading in an episode in a in an issue of American Survival Guide that I used to read back in the eighties. They talked about slings. Like yeah, just get a little piece of this cloth and this of leather and string. There you got yourself an improvised weapon, a sling. You know. Yeah. Or or even you know what? If we're gonna go that far, you know, let's make an at what is it? Uh, what is the weapon that basically is a little piece of oh the atlatl. Out ladle, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna throw we're gonna throw fucking you know spe you know spears of the stick. So anyway, I, I love the hot ladles that turned up in Quest for Fire. It's like um, it's like they came back uh, from their fire quest with ray guns compared <laughs> to the technology of the other cavemen. Yeah, that that got everybody's attention. So, yep. so anyway, so anyway, folks. So that's our discussion on. You know, weapons in the apocalypse, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that people are cringing, like, you didn't talk about this or that, or we yeah. talked too much about one thing, but hey, that's how this show rolls. So yeah, we, we, you. We, about it on your own show. Start your own show and you talk about it. That's so, right. But again, this is again that's a, that this is a topic that we could easily do another five shows on, you know, yeah. weapons and armor in the apocalypse. But again, we want to, I think we covered a lot of the good, the, the main points uh, on all that. So, provocative ideas. If in the apocalypse people use just one idea that we presented today, it could save their lives. It would have been worth it to watch the show if they get one idea that they can use. <laughs> Great. So we're like the Wasteland Survival Guide. I feel so. Well, I think we are. Yeah, well, we'd like to hope so. So, so that's going to be it for uh, Sticks and Stones, uh, folks, episode 33. Next episode in two weeks is going to be Halloween week. So we're going to go with a classic horror film, which is also an apocalyptic film. We are going to talk about Dawn of the Dead. And all its permutations. So we're going to talk about Dawn of the Dead, the original classic 1978 George Romero, as well as the 2005 remake, which a lot of people thought was blasphemy, but you know what? I take the name away, I still thought it was a pretty darn good movie. So uh, we're going to be talking about Dawn of the Dead uh, for, for, for uh, the week of Halloween. So, and uh, you have so, Tom Savini as a guest. Did I hear that through the grapevine? Is that true? Um, no. we, we, we can only hope. So, <laughs> if he stops by, he stops by. <laughs> right. we'll, 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 we'll bring him on. I don't think we can stop him. 
Yeah, well, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll bring him on when we talk about Night of the Living Dead in his 19, uh, 1990 remake. You know, right. all or, of the dead, or whatever the hell it was. Uh, so, so that's what we're going to talk about two weeks, folks. We're going to talk about Dawn of the Dead on episode uh, 34. So, any uh, any last words from uh, our guest, Mike or Scott? Nope. I, would, I would just uh, tell people uh, check out D Infinity Online Game Magazine. It's d infinitynet uh, because we've got a ton of post-apocalyptic material up there, weapons and otherwise. Uh, and we actually have post-apocalyptic material, game material, going up on that site uh, every single week. Uh, so people should check that out if they want free stuff, free game content uh, for their post-apocalyptic games. Cool. Thank you, Mike. So we're going to call it a wrap. So yes, we'll, see, we'll see you in two weeks, folks. This is uh, the Apocalypse Nerd. This is Mike Verhola and Annabom Glancy from Podcast at Ground Zero saying thank you. We'll see you in the wastelands and good night.